Hello everybody, we're going to do a quick session zero with our newest DatBod member. Um, this is Brittany, she is at Typed Mischief, which you'll see scrolling under the screen here as you watch. But yeah, she's our newest member, super excited, she's playing a couple one-shots, anything you want to say? Nope, just I'm super excited and super nervous, and if everybody can be nice to me for at least the first time around, that'd be great, but then after that you can be like 100% mean to me. DMs are never nice. Um, yeah, that's true. That's very true. So, <laughs> so to get into the session zero, uh, why don't you give me a quick backstory of uh, your character, Alesta? Yeah, sure. So I don't, I don't know how deeply I want to go into detail because it would be pretty cool if those kind of came out. Yeah, no. Um, leave some suspense for character growth suspense. during the campaign. All right, sounds good. Um, so long story short, Alesta is a Yuanti pure blood. Uh, the way that Yuanti pure bloods like came into existence was essentially they were once human and then like several hundred or thousands of years ago there was some sort of dark um ritual involving human flesh and snake flesh um that created the yuanti pure bloods so um enter initially human alesta vasco um she is a paladin she is uh pretty well known amongst um the followers of tier which is her patron, or who was her patron. Um, and she was sent up to uh, discover or, you know, kind of look around some sort of dark magic. And through no fault of her own, maybe some fault of her own, um, but accidentally she stumbled upon a temple where eventually she had to, you know, uh, consume human flesh of some sort to survive. And there were only snakes to eat. So upon actually completing that, she underwent the transition of a Yuanti pureblood, which would be like the first time that somebody's done that in centuries. The shame of be of, you know, what she had to do to actually become Yuanti, which wasn't her intent at all, but the action <laughs> uh, made made it enough so that she was like, hey, I, should, I don't really want to be here anymore. I don't deserve it. So um, she yeets out, um, heads on her way to Waterdeep. She wears uh, a mask, a hood, and heavy armor um, so that she can hide the very prominent scales on her face and uh, chest and pretty much any part of her skin. So she's essentially a paladin who's on a redemption path now, kind of a fallen from grace paladin. And she is lawful good, which is the first time I have ever like played a lawful good, usually because I'm chaotic energy myself. But uh, so I'm looking forward to kind of figuring out what that what that's like no i'm super excited for this and you know i was just saying not a lot of people play UNTs um as pcs and interestingly enough we fought some UNTs in our last campaign so <laughs> so maybe some residual uh residual uh dislike there yeah absolutely um so we kind of went over the physical appearance is there any other special things you want to highlight with that not particularly. Um, I think one thing is that she is very snake-like in the sense that she has scales. They're um, very, very prominent, but she does retain um, the the human eyes that she that she has. So they're not snake-like in that. Um, she does everything that she can to to hide that, which there's only so much you can do when your your face is covered in scales. So right. you, as you can imagine, I'm sure she has a very good time uh, in Waterdeep. Absolutely. <laughs> um, 
So what what does bring you to Waterdeep? What brings Alesta back to Waterdeep? Well, uh, well, Bob, it's a den of sin. And <laughs> not that she's like, you know, one of those, I'll free the sinners, but a lot more that she, um, <laughs> on her redemption path was kind of like, hey, you know, <laughs> um, she feels compelled to do good and to do um, what she can to kind of redeem herself, at least in her own eyes. Um, even if, you know, other people that she once knew wouldn't be as harsh on her as, as she might have been. Sure. Um, and so Waterdeep is definitely a area where there is big wage disparity, big disparity amongst like, um, you know, people who are starving, people who are hurting, especially in the wintertime. And for a paladin who's hoping to, you know, retain humanity um, in some aspects, uh, seemed like the right kind of place to go. I'm excited. Uh, I, I honestly, I can't explain to you just enough how excited I am for this. Um, adding a new character is always fun. Um, so what what traits would you say really define Alesta? Yeah. Oh gosh, that's so that's such a good question. So she was the type that was insufferable. You know those insufferable paladins? She once was one of them. Um, but I think the thing that defines her the most now is kind of the, the fact that she feels fallen in some degree. Um, kind of like a fallen fallen angel, fallen paladin. She doesn't view herself that, like that. Her ego is not that big. Um, a big thing is that she has taken a vow of poverty. So she will not use any form of gold because I like playing you know, games on hard mode, apparently. <laughs> um, she does not use gold for any sort of selfish purposes. She relies entirely on, you know, if someone were to give her something or offer her something. And even then, you know, she's a bit of a, a self punisher. So she might not even accept it. Um, yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think that the big thing is that she remembers, she had a really good life before this happened. She remembers the beauty of that. And she remembers the beauty of the world and she wants to give that to others. Um, because she feels like she cannot retain that or, or go back to that. She's a bit of an edge Lord. Sure. Yeah, no, we, we all are at some point. Um, so you did kind of touch on this, but specifically flaws that this, that Alesta may have. Yeah. Okay. I think that her biggest flaw is sort of that she has this unwavering idea of what good is, um, and what it is to do good. Right. Um, I also think that the degree to which she has set herself up to where she needs to redeem herself, but also dubbed herself as irredeemable um, can certainly be a flaw. And I mean, she doesn't take money, Alesta. Just go get a go get a go get a bed at an inn. Take a bath <laughs> Not sometimes. Today. Not um, today. Yeah, kind of stinky character. Um, yes, she <laughs> she smells like a donkey right now. She's sleeping in a barn. She smells um, like a donkey. I mean, which is totally okay. Don't we all some at some point? Um, yeah. yeah, sure. I know so I do. What What do you, Brittany, want to achieve with? this character in this campaign what like how how does this help you in your dnd growth it's always so tricky because when you create a character and you start playing them um when you create a character and you think about them and then when you start playing them a lot of times like your vision for the character shifts so not really knowing how Alesta is going to be be played i think really what i want to kind of feel out is as she is moving forward um 
with the party inside the storyline, kind of examining a little bit more of that character growth and hopefully either coming to terms with, with what happened um, and terms with herself or spiraling into self-hatred, one or the other, you know, growth well, or degrowth. We'll see. Sure, 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 sure. Uh, so those are really all the questions I had for you. Do you have any for me as you get into this? You So you have played um, with me as a DM once now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm... I can go over. I'm pretty forgiving as a as a DM. I I'm not out to kill the players. <laughs> um, That's good. I give advantage pretty healthy. I, I really really like to let you role play and you drive the story because okay. if it's if it's all me driving the story, it's not fun. Um, it becomes this collaborative thing that we have. And right. It really lets the the role play moments just organically come out too. It's not like hey, it's RP time. Let's uh you know, switch modes. Right. And you also, also notice that I don't do a ton of combat because combat is kind of boring to an extent. I mean, it's there, it's needed. It has its purpose. You're not going to level up with just going around murder hobo style, um, killing everybody because it, it's just not fun. It's not realistic. And it doesn't, you know, D and D doesn't have to be that. Um, we will be doing milestone level ups. So when you guys reach certain points in the module, you'll just queue level up. But yeah, so quick overview is me as a DM, but do you have any questions? Not really any questions, um, except for, you know, how far into this module are we? And like, how far can we see this extending? Are we still in the very early stages, mid stages towards the end? Um, I would still say we're early stages. So the plot, okay. plot hasn't really thickened. The Maybe some, uh, some clues have been dropped. Maybe some red herrings have been dropped, but nothing oh. that is like crazy. Uh, so we're pretty early, but in the book terms, so in, you know, the Waterdeep Dragon Heist book, it is chapter three. Out of? Five. Okay. So we just started chapter three. I mean, we got this much left, including the appendixes. So we got a lot. We got, I mean, chapter three, four, and five are going to probably be the bulk of the, of the campaign. And then we, we got a lot of room to grow. So there's there's been talks of what happens after Waterdeep. We've kind of quickly touched on maybe a homebrew campaign continuing on with these characters, or maybe going to like mm, Curse of Strahd or Storm King's Thunder or something like that. Mm-hmm. So awesome. Sounds good. All right, are we uh, are we ready to join the main call? Oh, and look, it is eight twenty nine. We got one minute. We are just Slick. on. And we are just, we are good. 